In this episode of the podcast, you will hear Leslie uh, and Charles and Kennedy discuss hiding the truth. Uh, this is coming from the Urban Law Facebook Live show. So enjoy. What's happening? What's happening? What's happening, family? Kennedy! <laughs> He's we so miss you. I miss y'all too. You've been ghosting us. No, I just, I was playing, not a chaperone, but I had scheduled, like I went out to New Orleans, but that's because I planned my best friend's 21st birthday. So I was like, I gotta go. And I made her feel special. I drove the whole weekend. Very tired. <laughs> so see, Kennedy, see, because I, you know, I talked about you. Uh, live to the family, I said, you know, I don't know. Kennedy been ghosting us, so I, I you know, she's doing a college student thing. But um, oh my gosh, so, you know, they, they probably looking at you like, oh, she's back. Okay. <laughs> well, she is a college student. Okay. That is true. That is true. You got to live a little bit, right? Please, a little bit. I only have one more. I have a year and a half here left. I just made my schedule. Crazy. Well, you you can. You can be like I was and be a very studious student that just went to class and had fun too, but just made it oh. all work all work within in the schedule. So you know, I had roommates and things. They tended to party a little bit more than I did, and uh, but I was always dutiful and went to class. And, and you really want to have? Was he like this? Do you really want to have a discussion on the air? Right, Dr. Irvin was like, he really liked this because we have he a was. right he here. Was. He was. Yeah, but we don't want to have the discussion well, on no, the air. I know where he's going. I know where he's he's going. it up. And, I, and Kennedy just asked a valid question where you really like that. And the answer is yes. But ask him what happened with all that dutifulness when it came to GPA time. <laughs> <laughs> Look. What happened? You know, there, life will life will throw you unpredictable sometimes, right? And so I think that what I learned there is something to having balance in life, because okay. when you have balance, you execute better at all the things you do. So I didn't have the balance; they had better balance than me, so they actually performed better than me that semester, even though I did the dutiful thing. I didn't have balance because that's all I did. That didn't work. Now, the other part of that story is, you know, somebody had to be responsible and pay the bills. You know, when you get the upper class when you're off campus, you know, somebody had to be responsible and do that part. So that's why they outperformed me. It wasn't just because I was dutiful. I worked a lot, too. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so, Kennedy, here's, here's what he's referring to specifically since he's being all vague. So, we were roommates. We had an apartment on campus. Oh. And uh, it was one, he was not the only person working. <laughs> Two out of the three, no, three out of the four, because we had four people pretty much staying at all times. 
three out of the four worked, but three out of the four said, hey, Leslie, we're about to institute a whole study regime. Do you want to join us? <laughs> and he, he, he asked, for, as Leslie does, he asked for an explanation of what it, what it uh, entails. Right. And so we said, well, we've come up with this new plan of study where we're going to study for 60 minutes a night with no distractions. And when we said that, when when, he, when we said that, he went ballistic. You cannot just study for 60 minutes a night and expect to have good grades. And so we said, we said, you want to bet? But because he interrupted the, the presentation, he missed crucial facts. And those crucial facts were we would study for 60 minutes in the apartment. But after class, because we had classes together, we would meet, go over notes while it was extremely fresh. Like before the professor could get out of there, we would go over the notes, mm -hmm. make up the agenda for what we were going to study that night. Yep. And then we would come to the apartment and go through that with no phones, no television. Now, when I say no phones, remember now we had we, we had phones, so it was we had beepers and uh, <laughs> landlines. <laughs> so it's not like it's not like we had the the distractions that you all have, uh, but we did have a television. So we agreed we would not turn that on. But after sixty minutes, then it was spades, tournaments, and all kind of other shenanigans. The so problem was the, the, the problem was that when they were studying i was working and by the time i got home and i'm trying to study they are clowning so i can't focus so i didn't get my 60 minutes of undistracted see see it's a, always but here, always but here's, but here's the thing with revisionist history i mean i'm pretty sure somebody in the audience listening that could that could back me up but he was study for four five hours a night mm. But Kennedy, you gotta understand. <laughs> See, there's always remember to every story, there's the precept, the concept, and the post up. You gotta know all three. He's just telling you the concept. The reality is, I can study for ten hours if they boopity boopity bop 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 bop. Not boopity boopity bop. <laughs> How effective is that study? See, no, no, no. So that's what was happening, and, and that's what. Caught. But here's what I learned: a valuable lesson I learned. They came up with the strategy that we all then used in grad school and we all did super well. And I and it was based on that that strategy that we we found uh through that experiment. So they they hey they proved me wrong. They had the better plan and it showed me something that it's always not quantity, it's the quality of what you do. And okay. so that that actually changed my life in grad school and going forward. So I owe them that. That's okay. The only, that's the only acclamation they don't ever get from me. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And you know, but you know why he makes that statement, Kennedy? If you could have seen his face the day those uh, grades came out, and he walked in with his grades, and he was like, "Yeah, I got y'all." <laughs> and we were like, "Put them on the table. Let's see." <laughs> oh, <laughs> let's, see. let's get into then, the show. Let's let's I get mean, into it. Was the show. Over. It was over once he saw my grades because I had a four point oh. So it's like <laughs> okay. Uh, it's okay. You know, you know we, we let's get into the show, Kennedy. With enough, <laughs> enough of that revision going down memory lane. So, Leslie, last question. 
out of the four people, who was in fourth place? I was. <laughs> <laughs> so we can stop right there. Because then you know everything else I'm saying is true. But Kennedy, you got to keep this right. Now, we all did well and we all were great students, but they outperformed me. They outperformed me and they did, and they got to have a whole lot more fun than I did. So I learned a valuable lesson. I you took did. what they did and I incorporated it in my life. And that's how I've stood it since that time. Yeah. Because I'm always remembered, but I remember that point because I was I was upset for about six months. I, I really, they, they, they just irked me. Okay. They beat me. It's okay. You live and you learn. That's all. You can't beat them, join them, right? That's right. (laughs) Well, I did want to start off with the show with another um, how Jackson State beat Mississippi uh, Valley last week. It the score was twenty eight to nineteen. Did y'all go to Valley at all? No, I watched it though. Uh, Charles went. You went? Wow. A lot of people. I think a lot of people did go. It was. It was good. Was that the urban? Why don't you tell us about the environment there? I hear I only saw it on TV, I mean on YouTube, but I heard it was a capacity crowd. Uh mm-hmm. Kennedy, did you go? Mm-mm, mm-mm. Okay. It was a really it was an electric environment. I mean okay. the campus was packed. Um everybody was, you know, for all to talk about rivalries, everybody had a good time. Mississippi Valley State, Jackson State, we all know each other. Right. I bumped into Dr. Ori on my way into the stadium. He played at Mississippi Mississippi Valley State, and he was selling wolf tickets on the way in. So, (laughs) I knew he was going to go. He wore his mask to class. We were like, you're not going to win. He's like, yes, we are. Oh, yeah, he was was on it. He was early, early, the two hours before the game. He was talking to us. Exactly. I texted him. I said, Boo Valley. (laughs) Right. Ooh. But uh, yeah, it was packed. I mean, it was a capacity crowd. Now somehow I missed. Of course, this is the beauty of social media. I missed altogether that the uh, that the mascots had a little wrestling match to the side. I missed that altogether. It looks like Valley won that match. I didn't even see <laughs> that. Wow. Yeah, it did look like that. It did look like the Delta Devil yeah. was uh, handing the tiger something he didn't want. Yeah, I know. Pyro was uh was on fire. He was he was giving the giving the tiger the business. He gave Sonny the business. Sonny <laughs> always in something. Last last year, um not last year, but the year before that, I think they played was it BC or something out of town and Sonny yeah, got in Atlanta. I was there. I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, I was there for that game. <sighs> I think Sonny has to be the mascot that has gotten in more trouble. <laughs> I mean, he's always, he like, he like Dennis the Menace of mascots. <laughs> yeah. Always, yeah. always into something. Always. Yeah. You know, in thinking about that game, when we predicted and gave our predictions, I thought we, and we should have, we had our opportunities. We just, and shots out the Valley, the defense came to play. But I, the thing that I was happy about, <laughs> Jackson State played probably his worst game of the year. Wow. Made the most mistakes of the year in a game, both on offense and defensively, and still found a way to win on the road in a very tough place to play, which is Mississippi Valley. On the field, let's 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 just say that has a lot to be desired. I went down on the um, field. I went down on the field and it does need some work, but <laughs> the field the field was not the issue. We played a we played a 
a different game than we've played all year because Valley has improved just that much. Mm. And you know, when you when you come in with a losing record, regardless, you have a chip on your shoulder, you have nothing to lose, so you play harder. Well, just like I said, BCU was the best 0 and 8 team that we would that you would see probably in the country. Valley is probably the best two and what two and six, two and seven team you'll see. Yeah, two and five. Yeah, they are. They're a, a couple players away um, from making some real noise in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. And shout out to Vincent. You know, I always give props to Vincent. I taught Vincent at Jackson State. Uh, so I'm very proud of what he's what he's building there. Extremely bright mind. Uh, he's always been a competitor. Uh, but he always got those books done, Liz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to say this to you. You know, and we'll talk about this a little bit later. We got another very good two and five team coming in the Jackson on tomorrow. And probably they are in Jackson already, I'm presuming. And they present a whole set of challenges themselves. So we'll come back and circle back to that. Kenny, let's get into I know we got some serious issues to transition to. So why don't you lead us down that path? All right. So well, first I wanted to say this past Tuesday was election day. So I really hope everybody voted. Um, did you guys vote? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. Good. Yes, it was. A, um, I was watching the polls at Lanier High School. Um, it was, it was a, the voter turnout. It wasn't bad. I was only there from eight to two, so I can't say I was there the whole day. But I mean, it was good. But I really wish it was more people there. Um, it was one lady. I was just like, thank you for coming to vote. She said, no problem. She's like, this is what I want to be. You know, we need to vote. More people do need to vote. She was like, my friend asking me, where are you going? She was like, girl, I'm going to go vote. <laughs> so yeah. hopefully, like, it, I could see a slow on um, progress. So I'm happy about that, though. We were really pushing it out. Um, a lot of people from the pre-law society, Family Hammer Pre-Law Society at Jackson State, where Dr. Irving is our advisor, um, they really went, were poll watching. They went to go vote. Um, the Family Hammer Pre-Law Society did a $25 gas. Well, it was a gas raffle or just a $25 gift card. And uh, uh, just letting people know, like, hey, post on your social media with your eyeball sticker and tag us. You can enter a raffle. So one of the uh, Law Society members, Kennedy Allen, won. So it was really fun. We had a it was a good day. So hopefully going forward, you know, I think the city of Jackson is really, really starting to take um Slowly but surely taking elections seriously. So I hope so. Well, shout out to you. Shout out to you youngsters for getting out there and being an active part of the process because we need poll workers. We need people active in the process. Not just voters, but people that can make the polls accessible. So that's good. That's extremely good. Thank you. Thank you. I did it with the um, Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable. So yeah, they presented yeah. the opportunity to us. So shout out to them as well. Yeah. Um, and did you want to give any of the highlights or recaps of the key races that we talked about and the final results on those? Well, we're going to a runoff um, yeah. the sheriff's race. That's the one we highlighted the most. We have uh, you have two candidates remaining. They they will go back to the polls on November 23rd. Marshawn Chrysler, who is acting or interim sheriff right now, and Tyree Jones, they both <laughs> made it to uh, a runoff. Oh, yeah. And it will be, I want to say, 
I will, you know, I don't want to speak too soon, but I do know um, we might be another, like, runoff debate or something held at Jackson State pretty soon. I have to talk to Dr. Magna about that. But, yep. And then um, another thing that I wanted to get into was – what else did I want to get into? Okay, so this is the topic that I wanted to start off with. Um, so today actually was the beginning of Ahmad Arby's trial. And so, but one thing that I really want to talk about, and I definitely want to hear your input on it, um, Dr. Irvin, because we kind of talk about this in Dr. Orr's class, how the juror is mainly white. It's 11 white jurors and one black. And they were selected in a long and grueling process. But it's crazy because I wanted, they said over a thousand people were summoned for jury duty, but only half of uh, that, uh, half of the people showed up to be summoned for jury duty. And then after that, they started to uh, do their process. My thing is though, granted, yes, um, the the trial is being held in a very um, white but feel very majority white county is white Glen County, but it's just shocking to me. Like how can how can this case be? I don't want to say monumental, and I also don't want to compare it. But how can this case make difference and change? Like in a way that George Floyd did when we have this type of um, institutional I want to say institutional racism, but like just barriers that's blocking it because granted yes it's all white and we can't say that you know they won't vote in the favor of Abi remark uh Ahmad Arby's trial but it's like it's almost I don't want to say defeating but how is this even legal I guess basically let, what I'm trying to say before you answer that let me you, you did a real good job of putting the flowers and roses and Daniel deals and birds of paradise all around that uh so kudos for you for decorating it but I'm just gonna say it uh, uh, in a direct kind of way. How in the world is this? This is where sometimes I think people get jaded with the justice system. And I know it's the best we got. And I, I, I know all the legal talk that gets said and the political talk. But how is this a jury of my peers? How is this a jury of his peers? It, it, it is the question. And so how as you as you look and just take my my educated my degrees and put them to the side and my analytical and put it to the side and say how does a jury that are not my peers right that doesn't look like me doesn't have culture issues or nothing can relate to me how can they in turn enact justice that's fair equitable to me uh, that, that's just a question that a common a common man would have. So I just wanted to put that out there, and I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, here's here's what I want you and Kenneth to do: take one step back. Okay. Jury of your peers does not mean that you get to go out on the plaza and pick out people that look like you. <laughs> jury of your peers are composed by the people that are in your jurisdiction. Understanding that. Kennedy gave away the game in her intro to this topic when she said only half of the, of the number of people summoned showed up for jury duty. If you're in a majority white county and half only show up, then that means you end up with the type of numbers that you end up in this case. They had 12 black jurors in the potential jury pool, and the defense was able to use their uh, strikes to narrow it down to one. The prosecutors raised the issue of race with the with the judge, but the judge said no, they did what they were supposed to do. So in in highlighting the issue, yes, I understand you said you did couch it as what the common man would think. 
but that's not what the law says. The law says jury of your peers. Jury of your peers is made up by the taxpayers of the county in which whatever happened happened. That's exactly why I did that. So you can <laughs> so you can break that down. The next one is uh, break down the strike process in terms of how many strikes does the defense have and how how that kind of works. Because I think a lot of people don't really understand how that works. And I and I'm just trying to wrap. You did a great job of, of saying that, but we, we're trying to educate here so people can understand how important it is to show up for jury duty and why. So talk to that. Yeah. So you have two different types of strikes in, in a jury trial. You have what's called a peremptory strike, meaning that it can be for no reason at all. It's it's a strategic strike. Remember Stratego? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So... You get to you get to use those. The judge assigns the number. It can be as high as twelve, depending on how large the jury pool is. Um, and then you have strikes for cause, meaning that there is something about the the questioning of the juror, which is called vardar, which vardar just simply means to tell the truth. The interaction between the attorneys, the judge, and the juror, they get to ask questions to determine whether or not you're the best fit for. The particular case and if it's a strike for cause then the judge makes that decision you can announce it as a strike for cause and then the judge would will, will let you know whether or not they approve it or they deny it so that's that's the two types of strikes in this case i think they had 12 black jurors in the potential pool and 11 of them were struck i also want to mention too but um just also in the article it said among those who did show during two and a half weeks of questioning questioning by the attorneys many said they knew the defendants had already formed strong opinions about the case or were scared to serve as part of the panel pointing to the potential consequences specific verdicts may have on the community so i also think not just like this case but a lot of cases and a lot of monumental cases as well whether it's fear or you knowing um the defendant I haven't already have a pre a preconceived type of opinion about it that goes into play when it comes to jury uh selecting and also i feel like laws have been put in place of course there's loopholes but jury tampering as well hopefully even though the judge said they did it right we'll see but i i guess i could understand how it is only one black juror but it is just sad to say that you know some people already had a strong opinion about the situation and they you know, whether they think it's wrong or not, it is, it's hard to, I think as citizens sometimes, and I guess in our law system as well, how we could just choose random people to decide our fate in a way, especially some people who know nothing about the law. So, hmm. Well, it is- that's, because, that's because they are deciders of fact. Mm. Uh, the judge is, the judge is the one who issues the law. The jury is, to, is supposed to listen impartially to the facts. So here's how you you take care of the issue that you're talking about. <laughs> if you know, which, as Leslie said, the common man may not know this. So this is why we're doing the educational piece. Mm-hmm. If you know that, that, that the, the opposite side has the ability to strike uh, purely for strategy, then that means you need strength in numbers. We have issues because we don't show up for jury duty. Mm. If more than 13 people or 12 people from the black community showed up, it's a, it's a high probability that more than one would be on there. 
Very true. The reality is this. You and and thank you, Charles. That's that's why I set you up to answer that because I get that question all the time. And I'm trying to stress to people why it's so critical that we not only when we get to jury duty notice, because I and, and the reason why I'm saying it's critical because I am reformed. I used to be one of those that always would get excused and push it down the road, push it down the road until Charles had to educate me on why it was so important that I go. So they, if, if we have low numbers, they can strike us off. Exactly. If we have a surplus of numbers. Now, then you don't even get a chance to have one or two. You can get a lot more on the jury because you give the prosecution a lot to work with. Mm-hmm. So if I only got 12 and I got 50 black people that show up for jury duty, I'm going to have prosecution is going to be smiling and having a good day in a case like this. We've got to show up. And then I don't understand sometimes when we got a case that is as publicized, as well known as this, we have the lowest turnout. Right. And then we get hung up on some of the craziest stuff. Like, yes, the defense job is to ask questions to determine whether or not you're a good fit. So they're going to ask you if you knew the defendant or if you knew the victim or if you knew uh, the attorneys or do you know the judge or are you related to any of them? Those are standard questions. The problem we run into is we play TV lawyer and we presuppose that just the mere fact that we know someone or or have you related that's something different but if just the mere fact that you know someone how many literally how many people from columbia do you know but you don't really know their name or what they're doing or you know it, it that question is loaded in a sense you should get to the follow-up question which is even knowing that you know that person can you be a fair and impartial judge of the facts in this case if you answer yes then it makes it that much harder for them to disqualify you for cause and if you show up in numbers guess what if they disqualify you then they can't get kenny yeah i want to uh mr bird he had a question he said will they move the trial to another area um they didn't i mean I really don't know. I mean, they didn't move it because it's it, it just started today, so it's still happening. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm sure they filed. A, I'm I'm sure they filed a change of venue, but it seems like the judge uh, didn't see where it was warranted. Yeah, uh, and then they wanted to handle it in the county. Um, there are certain factors, benchmarks that you have to reach in order for that that motion to be approved. And so, um, you know, when you file that motion, you better be able to back it up with with the publicity, the the possibility of uh, writing taint and all kinds. Of, there's there's a whole lot of things that go into that. Okay, well, I'm definitely glad we talked about that because that's definitely something I wanted to brush up on. Um, <clears throat> another uh, topic that I wanted to talk about today was at literally happened last night. And it was a man injured. Shots were fired uh, at multiple cars on I-55 in Ridgeland. Um, it happened under the Natchez Trace Bridge around 4.30 p.m. And so Ridgeland police said there were and one Ridgeland police was taken to the hospital. And it says we have one victim hit. He was shot in the arm. He has been transported to UMC. And officers took some very quick medical measures to help him. But he's in surgery now. Um, and the investigators are just working to piece together as much evidence as possible and pulling videos from like walk-ons, Costco, and other businesses just south of here. And so I wanted to also bring this to um, bring this to the show only because I want people to understand and kind of 
also, Dr. Irvin, I meant to ask you this too, so I wanted to bring it up, um, how it's important to vote in elections like this because uh, one of the candidates mentioned in the debate, not last Tuesday, but the Tuesday before he said, and even the event that we recently attended this week, how the uh, Judge Harwick said a lot of JPD is underpaid and overworked. Do you feel like that factors into a lot of times like um, policemen not really being able to do their job? Still, in a way, we can't even help our community. So do you think this voter turnout with this uh, um, special uh, election will actually improve our community in a way? Or is that even possible with budgeting and stuff like, of that nature? Kennedy, you asked some loaded questions. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. To elaborate. So, so let me let me try to parse that out. And Liz, I'm probably gonna need your help on this, but let me just try to break it down. So one, uh, what does it mean to be overworked? And what does it mean to be overworked as a law enforcement officer? Those are two different things. I mean, I could be so let's let's take a factory worker versus a police officer. If you are a factory worker and you're overworked, there's a chance that you could have an injury on the job. No different than in policing. There's a chance that you could get injured or miss something because your focus is not all the way there. So I think what Judge Hardwick was getting at, and just for context, Leslie, uh, Kennedy and I both participated in a domestic violence uh, panel uh, this week that was hosted by the, the good Saraj from Jackson State University, Delta Sigma Theta, um, Delta Pi. Uh, they, they, uh, were doing skits to go through different scenarios. And the judge mentioned that uh, JPD has a staffing issue. And so what Kennedy, is, that's that's the frame that Kennedy is putting in. Even though this was a original issue, I think it's a good tie to what, what was discussed there and we're bringing it in here, is that when you have staffing issues, they're overworked because there aren't enough police officers. So that means you don't have enough hours covered. So that means you have to work overtime. And one thing I've always known uh, from my experience in government, the overtime pay is great, but there will be uh, suffering in other areas. And that means precision and efficiency on how you investigate, how you do routine things. And then if something big happens, do you have the mental focus and clarity to deal with it the way you would if you were rested and fully staffed? So that that kind of gets at what part of the question that you're talking about. The second part of that question, and this is where I'm asking Leslie, because Leslie posed this question to me last week. Wow. What's the relevance of having uh, a strong sheriff? Okay. So when you get into these type issues, uh, my answer then was you need someone who understands collaboration and interagency uh, work because the sheriff is responsible for the entire land mass of the jurisdiction. Well, Ridgeland is our neighbor. If you have a strong sheriff that handles gun issues well and has cooperation, then you can get to a swifter uh, resolution. So, Liz, here's my question to you based off what you not now know about the role of the sheriff, don't you think a strong sheriff could help here? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And because because you, you need somebody that can tie it all together. And, and what it's essentially saying, 
when you look at law enforcement or when you look at crime as a whole, crime is not necessarily geographical. It fades and blends into every community. So you need a comprehensive approach. The only way you get a comprehensive approach is through a multiple law enforcement agencies, agencies and departments working together, task forces, because nobody has enough um, uh, power and resources and manpower or female power on their own to get it done. And nobody has all the expertise. So it takes a co comprehensive approach. And so Dr. Irvin kind of reminded me, sometimes when we have cases that require us to think outside of the box or kind of be very creative, we'll have, we'll go into what we call war room sessions. Okay. And some people don't really understand, like war room sessions seem spirited. Like if you, if you come and catch me and Dr. Irvin or, or Ms. Simeon or somebody in a war room session, you would think we're about to fight, but that's not what's happening at all. What we're really trying to do is to get to the best solution. And the mm -hmm. best solution is apart from you, apart from me, apart from here, to get to the best, to find the best things, because everybody's going to see something that the other one doesn't. And that's what I think that sheriff does, because the sheriff is the liaison that crosses over everybody. He's the common denominator. She, he, or she is a common denominator for everyone. So it makes sense now. And like, I think um, to piggyback off of that is when we had the debate here on uh, the Tuesday, October twenty-sixth, and Dr. Irvin, you know, he can attest. I think for me, it educated me a little bit more because this is my first time voting in the special election, really. But it kind of educated me more on how or why Jackson has these issues they were talking about the jail like i really didn't know all that much about the jail but they were breaking that down and how um how that can affect um <clears throat> proper i guess policing because a lot of times i want to say one of the candidates was saying how can we house all these uh members but it's unsafe it's unfit it's breaking down and sometimes um we're arresting some of these uh the some of these suspects who are coming out the next day because they were arrested they had all you know they uh, did they build on bond, whatever. What I'm trying to say, they paid their bond. That's what I'm trying to say. But it just really um, informed me about a lot and how I guess the sheriff does play a lot of roles in uh, crime in your city. So it just made me realize the importance of the position, really, because they were also talking about budgeting, um, proper policing. Like Dr. Irvin said, how do you actually um, look at executing the plan, making sure you're actually looking at all the facts? And you can't do that when you have some overworked um workers so it, it was a lot that played into it it was very informative i will say that yeah all right well the last topic that i really wanted to talk about was the colin kaepernick special and it's colin in black and white first have y'all watched this yet because it actually just came out have y'all watched it at all i have not had a chance to watch it yet Okay, Mr. Peters, have you watched it yet? I, I started. I have not finished. I just in the very beginning of it. So talk to me. What you what you see? So it's actually like a docu series. When I watched it late at night, I was thinking it was a documentary, but it's actually a docu series. And um, I've only watched the first three episodes, but I really liked it because it told Colin's perspective of his life and also how football played a role in it. But it also brought it. He kind of related it to slavery and how it a lot of times like at the combine. He was saying how they just look at you as a product. Basically, they're weighing you out and it's relating it to slavery. So then in the first episode, it kind of transitioned to back in the day 
walking in with the sh uh, shackles and I'll buy this N word for such and such. Or he'll be a good, you know, a good slave and so a good worker. And then it goes into like, I didn't know Colin Kaepernick was adopted. So when I was watching this, you can tell, and I'm trying to watch my rating. What I'm trying to say is, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, you could tell how both of his white parents, in a way, suppressed his blackness and put him in white spaces where he felt unconfident or really, um, he was confused about himself because he was talking about how he got braids and his head was so tight. And it was, it was, it was hard for him and trying to i guess code switch in a way and really understanding him so i think everybody should watch it hopefully you know you guys will it's a good docuseries though but he also got some slack from it like normal especially from fox news so yeah of course of course um i haven't watched it yet kennedy but i will tell you that the combine is notorious for spandex and weight measurements and speed measurements and height measurements physical and, and then when they take the uh they just recently started letting you know what the score was for the uh the psychological and analytical battery that they do because that was something that they would always hint to that would cause black quarterbacks not to be uh fit yeah, for can you elaborate on that though? I, I didn't even know they did that at a combine. Like yeah, that. so, so talk to them about the test, Liz. So they take this test called the Wonderlick test. And the Wonderlick test is supposed to, quote unquote, supposed to determine the the uh football IQ and your ability to think and process enormous amounts of, of information very quickly and to be able to execute, which is what a quarterback has to do. So when you think about the role of a quarterback, they drop him back in a matter of three to five seconds. They literally got to see the whole field while people are trying to come at him and kill him and make a good decision. So they're trying they want the it's a psychological evaluation to test um, that supposedly. Now it's come on the heat for years saying this test is some of the same things they say about any of our standardized tests, whether it's the ACT, SAT, um, those tests have some, 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 some biases uh, mm -hmm. that they've determined and been able to prove and, and the wonder lick is no different. So now they, they've started releasing the scores of that. And what's interesting though, when they had to start releasing the scores, the way the perception was before that only African-American quarterbacks we're struggling with that test. Mm. Releasing the scores, we realized a whole lot of people that were not African American at all were making forwards grades on that. Right. Test. I mean, and, and then, media never would speak to that. And then the other, the flip side of that is, wow, these black quarterbacks are actually doing pretty good on the one Exactly. Yeah. Whereas before, it was just kind of a whisper of, well, they didn't do too good on the test, so we don't know how they're going to process. So that would tax them and, and drop them down in the draft. That's literally what, like, not um, not in the like in the draft per se, like in the scene in his docu series, like in the first couple episodes. But like when he was trying to go out and be um the, on the starter quarterback for the varsity team, he was a freshman, and he clearly outperformed his competition, which was one of his white peers. But the white coach was just like, "We're going to go with Jake, um, Colin. You're just not going to be 
quarterback because Jake knows how to make game time decisions and stuff like that. And so mm-hmm. I was just like, you could tell like in my mind, I, and we kind of talked about this in one of my other classes. And all I'm saying is, it's just, I just wonder if he was brought up in a different type of environment or household, would he be more confident as a man? Or would he actually be more assured of himself as a black man? I don't think he's lacking in confidence, though, Kennedy. I think the circumstance that you're that you're highlighting is implicit bias. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and the reality is, like Charles said, once they had to release the test, you found out black quarterbacks were doing quite well, a lot better than some of the quote unquote poster poster child quarterbacks of the NFL that were not black. And so now you don't hear that narrative as much anymore because now it's all out in the open. But, you know, early on, you got to remember, for years, it wasn't until the last 10, 15 years, maybe 20, that you started seeing black quarterbacks. And still. still Yeah, they could play every other position, but not quarterback. And if they were, they were backup. And so, you know, a lot of people paved the way um, but a lot of that was because they wouldn't, you know, here's the thing, the Lamar, Lamar, the quarterback of Baltimore, help me, Charles, what's Lamar last Jackson. Lamar, Lamar Jackson, Jackson <laughs> would not be a quarterback in the NFL if this was 20 years ago. So Yes, that's interesting. Let me, let me, let me just talk about that for one second. Mm-hmm. So Lamar Jackson's agent is his mother. And so. Wait, his what? Uh, yeah. His mother. And oh, so okay. uh, when when he was coming out all of the execs kept trying to talk to him about changing positions wow. <laughs> and because his mother was his business manager slash agent he talked to her about it and she asked him one simple question what have you always played and why would you stop now <laughs> exactly right and so that the the crisis of confidence that you're talking about with Kaepernick. I don't know if he had somebody standing into in the gap for him like that. Yeah. But you know, and Lamar Jackson still pays the tax even now. I mean, if you look at his yeah. stats, he's leading in several categories, but anytime he has a bad game, oh, he gets taxed. Believe okay. me. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, let me give you another issue. So if we look at the COVID situation, let, let me just tell you what happened recently. How yes. How Wait, yeah, well, what's going this on? Week. How hard did they tax? How hard did the media attack Lamar Jackson over COVID? Now, he's had COVID twice, and they were taxing him on why you won't get vaccinated. Okay. He's not vaccinated? I'm telling you now, he, he, he was out the amount of time he was supposed to be out. He followed lead protocol, but they just own you. I, they came after him pretty, like, you're just disrespectful to the team. You're hurting the team. All of this. Right, this was before the season. Go ahead, Josh. I said he never lied about it. Never lied about it. Never lied about it. And that's where I'm going. You know where I know. I'm helping. Go to Green Bay, whereas Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. He said that he had had the shot. Well, no, no. What he said is no, no. He finessed it. He finessed it. He He said he had been immunized. He said, I've been, I've been immunized. Which, so he which never got the shot. He said, I've been immunized, which gave the implied assumption that he had been immunized for COVID. 
but he did it. But he didn't say COVID. He just said, I've been immunized. Now watch this though. But but the media and everybody took the assumption. Nobody pressed him on it once he said that. There was no follow-up question. There was no follow-up question. Have you been immunized for COVID though? Have you taken COVID? None of that. Comes to find out now, he did not take the COVID shot. He has not been immunized for COVID. And now he can't play. And who's hurting their team? Because now Wait. he has to go into COVID protocol. So, okay, this is my thing. Okay, I thought, one, I thought the NFL may, or not may, but, but but basically was saying if you don't get your shot, then you basically can't work or can't play because one of the coaches got fired, correct? Yes. If, yeah, so, yes. so my so thing where is, is that, where's they, that same energy? So, <laughs> but my thing is, though, how did they, they get away with not taking a shot, the quarterbacks? How did they get away with it? Well, they took his word and didn't check his paperwork. Right. What about Lamar though? Lamar oh, he said he didn't take this paperwork, but he, Lamar was he last said he year. wasn't taking it. It was last year before they oh, changed the rule. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. But now, Aaron, this is happening now, so he can't play for how long? Ten what, days, two weeks? two weeks, I think. Two weeks. Oh yeah. my god, I can't believe yeah. he did that. He just so, messed up. You know, we can go on and on. We, but that's what's going on, and so that has always happened. Um, and like Charles said, he's still playing a tax for it. He will always pay a tax for it the minute something goes wrong. Now, if everything's going, and watch, watch what I tell you. Just like in the last three years, Patrick, last two years especially, you couldn't say nothing bad about Patrick Mahomes. Not having such a great year, and what, what you're hearing now? <laughs> what? The thrill is over. You know, and they criticize Kyrie racial. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and that's a that's a great bird bird. That that's that's a great analogy. Well, comparison, not an analogy. That's a great comparison. What did Kyrie, they do to Kyrie? Kyrie is suspended indefinitely right. because he refuses to get the vaccination, um, and he may actually be getting some relief because we got the second black mayor of New York City coming in, and he said he may make some changes to how work requirements are addressed. And so Kyrie has been getting drug for lack of a better term. Wow. Really because he, he has his uh whatever his beliefs are, they 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 are against the vaccination. Aaron Rodgers can go to the mic and, and basically fudge, lie. <laughs> and the same people that drug Kyrie a couple weeks ago, they don't want to talk about Aaron Rodgers right now. And that shows the racial, not disparities, but you can tell the difference right. in how they view. Um, it's different treatment. Depending different on who you are, it's different treatment. Different treatment. I did not know that, though. But that's no different than the rest of the world. And here's the thing. as it, That's that's America. It's our America, but that that's our America. And, <laughs> and we have to deal with the good, bad, and the ugly of our America. We can't just deal with the good. Very true. So I I I think um, one of the things we try to do on this show we're we're critical of things that just are not right. Whether it's us doing it, whether it's somebody else of another race doing it, we try to just be fair about it. And if and if somebody can come on here and give me a uh, give me a better cross point uh, community, I, I am not above saying you know what. Never looked at it that way. I respect that point. I agree with you. So, but but. But the reality of it is, there's a reason why there was a series done by CNN, some of that O'Brien years ago, called Being Black in America. Um, 
Because if you're black and you're in America, there's a different life you live, regardless of how much money you have. Because the undertone of it all is that America, until America solves its core problem, no matter how much money you have, America will always let you know what you are. Bingo. And that's the problem that America needs to solve that America hasn't solved. And so that's just the truth. Yep. Yep. Well, y'all, these are all the topics that I wanted to talk about today. I'm going to give it up. Oh, you do have one? All right. Well, yeah, I got one. Your way. So, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame recently had a new class. And the first solo hip hop artist was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Who? Sean Carter. Yes. Jay-Z. What? Yes. Yes. He was introduced by Dave Chappelle and uh, some kind of way the president, former president, Barack Obama, was a part of his introduction as well. A big feat. Rock and Roll Hall of, Hall of Fame is a big deal. But That's I wanted to, I wanted to highlight it because uh, if you're a fan of hip-hop, if you're a student of hip-hop, if you grew up with, with hip-hop, then everybody has a top five MCs list. And I don't know. Jay, Jay is on some. He's not on some. He's on, he's on my list. He's on my list. I can tell you that. Liz he's on, on my list, list, too. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he has, been, he has been a storyteller and a trendsetter for all of his career. Uh, and so... Here's here's what made me think about it though, and want to put it on the show today is that he is the executive producer for the new western that's on Netflix. Um, I'm gonna watch it this weekend. The harder they fall, with, I, watched uh, I watched it. It's so good. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and so basically, uh, I think Reginald Bird is in the audience today, and I heard Bird talking about it. Uh, so shout out to Bird because he brought up some games, some pure. 100% history that the names that they picked for the movie, those are all real black cowboys. Mm. Yeah. I did not know that. It's a it's yeah. a great movie, though. Like, wow. I loved it. Yeah. Excellent. So shout out to Brother Bird for bringing that to my attention. So it's on my list for this weekend. I got to wait to see what the Tigers going to do to see whether or not I watch it Saturday night or Sunday night. Yeah, I'm um, definitely going to have to watch that. That's a, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. Harder than and, okay. Yeah, and then the second thing that made me want to hi- highlight uh, Mr. Sean Carter as uh, the inductee is, is the good that he has done in the community. He went from dealing crack to providing opportunities. He's taken, his, he's taken the ills in his life and flipped them into a positive. Gloria Carter is his mother, and she runs his nonprofit. Uh, just this week, they were doing uh, back-to-work uh, job fair hosted by the nonprofit to give people in the New York City area opportunities to get back to work. That's one. Okay. Two, he is a trendsetter in and out of the booth because uh, everybody knows that Facebook changed the name to Meta. Well, what they may not know is metaverse is a sci-fi term that goes back, for those of us who are in the sci-fi, it goes back years and years. It's like virtual worlds. Uh, think 
Tron, think Star Wars, think uh, 1984. Is I mean, the duality of man. Think Avatar. Kennedy as an Avatar work walking in the digital world. Well, guess who one of the biggest investors in the musical metaverse is? And that is none other than Sean Carter. <laughs> He's on the cutting edge of the frontier. He's doing history on one side, jobs on another, and on the other, he's investing in the future. I'm so, sorry, can you repeat that? You said what you say, Dr. Irvin? No, I was saying that he's one of the biggest investors in the musical metaverse, not just Facebook and its name change and what yeah. they're trying to do. There are other companies and other coins out there in cryptocurrency that are focused and have been focused on the metaverse. Zuckerberg just called attention to it because he's trying to hit your ride. Um, <laughs> you did. I think Aaron just said you was talking about that in class the other day. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> trying to put everybody up on game because the world is changing right in front of us. You know, I will, I will tell you this. Like I told my class last night, my management class, I said... You know, I always tell the story when I set up. I said, you know, as a manager, uh, truly, I said, as a manager, um, you have one role. And I said, as a good manager, you're an effective leader, too. But as a manager and a leader, particularly, are you're not solving today's problems. You're solving a problem 10 years down the road. You're solving future problems. So you got to be able to look out. So I always tell the story of the famous meeting. And this famous meeting has happened some years ago in the late 90s early 2000, I think it was late in 99 or 2000, where you had, and it's particularly relevant when you live around DFW Metroplex, because this company was huge here. It was headquartered here. It was huge, provided a lot of jobs. It was the king of the hill of the industry. And so- I know where you're going now. Come on. on. Yeah. So this CEO got paid a visit by the CEO from this small startup company. And this company was very new, just on the scene kind of struggling, just trying to establish footing. And so if you go back in time and you think 99 or 2000, you would think about where the internet was at that time. So it wasn't, broadband wasn't accessible for just about everybody at that point, except for unless you were a corporation, because you didn't have it at home. You were still busting out that AOL dial-up, you know, in the 90s. So when this CEO, the small company CEO came and had the meeting, he was big CEO was gracious enough to give him a meeting. He wanted to form a collaboration, even offered to be acquired by them because he had a vision of what the future would be like. And he said, told the big CEO, he said, you know, the future will be one day people will watch movies from their homes via the internet. One, One day people's entertainment ecostructure will literally provide the same entertainment across devices. So they could literally be watching on a TV, leave the house and watch on a mobile device, and then go somewhere else and watch on a different device. And he talked about continuous flow of entertainment. Well, the big company CEO told me he was pretty much just kind of dismissed and told me he was crazy, denied, rejected the offer to partner, rejected the offer to acquire that company. So when you fast forward to today, that big company CEO is out of job and that company is out of business. And that little company CEO is called Netflix. 
Wow. And a big company CEO that's out of business was called Blockbuster. And so it just reminds people <laughs> that you, you gotta look out. You gotta look out. Because today is the present is already happening. You can't, you it's already happened. So you and the past is already done. So you gotta be solving future problems. So don't so I say that to say when we're sitting here having these discussions, we've got to do the work. A lot of times we talk about stuff but we don't ever do the work to change it. And we've been talking about some of these same problems forever because our grandparents were talking about them, our parents were talking about them, and now we're talking about them. Mm. So at some point, we're going to have to get better at the work to change. And I'm talking about the problems that we can change within our own communities and the way we think and the way we, we understand and use the application of the law in a way that it can be more effective to give us a fair shake. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's yeah. big. I, I have a I have a small stat. I have a small stat for that. So they just recently completed a survey in the cryptocurrency space on who's doing what. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Currently, African-American participation in crypto is at 23%. Wow. Wow. That's high, much higher than I thought. Yeah. Yes. From zero to a hundred, real fast. Hispanic is at seventeen percent, and white is at eleven. Now, what does that all mean? Well, worldwide, we're at about one percent adoption, but it's going to happen so fast because it's happening right now. The, all this stuff is being built and connected, and when it gets plugged in and turned on, everybody will have missed the bus again. And I'm saying that said Liz up. I know we're supposed to be doing football predictions, but you got me in my element now. So I gotta I gotta go ahead and say this. Um this has happened before. And you know, I used to always go to try high wide meetings uh and NAACP meetings, and you would hear hear the elders saying, history will repeat itself. If you don't learn your history, it'll repeat itself. Yes. So I am here from the present, from the past, and the future. Call me Dick. Call me Dickens <laughs> um, to say that history. You gonna is, do a Christmas care earlier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> history is repeating itself right now because, as a black community, by and large, we missed the transfer of wealth that happened when it went from analog to to digital. Mm. Well, it's about to go from internet to internet 3.0 a whole different type of digital yeah so i'm trying to make sure that people have the information and know you need to be looking at these places if you want to change issues in the black community you need some some money to do it you're about to have a transfer of wealth so we need to be looking in the spaces where you can get the money to make the make the dent you know, we're gonna have one day where we're gonna we're gonna do a dedicated whole show to that. But you know, I also told the class last night. Here's the thing: I said, U.S. If you study history, everybody, said, the U.S. is the last country to adopt anything. Wow! Just, just study. It. We were yeah, yeah. So if you look at the adopt, if I bet you dove deeper into the adoption rate of crypto and you broke it down by countries, I bet U.S. is dead last. Oh, bro, that's a whole show. <laughs> so that is a it, whole show. <laughs> it was just, I mean, think about it. Why do you think when technology is invented, it ain't never invented here? It's invented. Yeah, oh, but this is the one time where 
this is the one time where world events and economic events say that if we are last to this party, it's going to affect the United States uh, standing in the world probably forever. Yeah. 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 I, mean, I mean, listen, you thought the euro had an effect on the dollar. You about to see something. And, and the reality <laughs> is I can't wait till I get the opportunity to go to Shanghai, go to China just to see it in action. But I went just to bring this full circle. So I was in the airport most recently on my recent trip when I came to Jackson, I was in the airport. And I knew now Amazon had been testing this out for 10 years. Yeah. It started out in Seattle. But I go to this Amazon store that's just a cubicle sitting in the middle of the airport. Yeah. You go in, you 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 slide your car, you get whatever you want, you walk out. There's no person, there's nobody there, but it charges you for exactly what you got. Guys, blockchain technology, digital money, the way we move around the world, all that's changing. So We'll have to have a whole dedicated show to deal to talk more about that. But man, uh, it, you know, I'm just glad that I got Dr. Irvin in my five, my top five circle to pull me uh, <laughs> into the because he, he is relentless and pulling me along. And now I'm, I've, I've got on board, but I thank him for that. So you got to have good friends that'll pull you along when you can't see it too. Yep. Yeah. It's gonna I've been be pulling, good. it's like pulling teeth. Yeah, but, speaking of that, I'm gonna pull him along with these predictions. So, Kenny, let's see how we did last week. Let's okay. let's, let's go. Oh, you didn't want to get into the predictions because you know you beat me, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you gotta what's the what's the song, Kenny Rogers song? You gotta know when to hold them. Yeah, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. Yeah. But it's okay. It's all in the name. It's all in the name of uh, getting better each week. So I know. I know. Hey man, I, I made a big. I made a nice purchase this week. See, you didn't have to tell me. All right. So last week, week nine. Uh, let's go through that to see how we did. Week nine, um, we had Arkansas Pine Bluff and Texas Southern. We both picked Texas Southern. So we both got that right, got that right big as Texas Southern beat UAPB 59 to 17. Yeah, it gave them a little small 50 piece. Yep. And they coming to Jackson. They just they probably in Jackson right now. Off a little high. We got Alabama, the Magic City Classic, Alabama AM and Alabama State. Dang. Charles, you picked, you remember? I picked Alabama State. You picked Alabama State. I picked AM. Uh, so I got you on that one. Then yeah. the next one, we had Gremlin at FAMU. I picked Gremlin. I can't, I'm allergic to FAMU. Yeah, I, I, I picked <laughs> FAMU because I just didn't think Gremlin could do nothing with that defense. Yeah, and I Gremlin lived right. 26 to 3. Yeah. Jackson, what kind of Jackson State left? Alcorn and Southern, I was wrong. <laughs> again. Yeah. Mm. I was wrong again. Now, Southern messing with me. Now, when I pick them, they lose. <laughs> when I don't pick them, they win. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you know. So, I, I look, it was a great game. If you didn't get a chance to see it, it really was a great game on ESPN uh, 3. I mean, Southern, they, they, they did that. They came to play and they um, upset Alcorn 38 35. Here's here's a, here's, a, here's an advisory warning, Kennedy. Are you going to the Jackson State Southern game? Yeah. 
Okay, so that's something you should, as a as a Jacksonian, all Jacksonians need to experience playing Southern at Southern. Yeah, you need to but, experience that. But you need to understand that you are not going to Baton Rouge for the game. You're going to Scotlandville. Big difference. Yes. When you go across that bridge in the Scotlandville now, it's gonna it's gonna look very similar to 1400 JR Lynch Street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh just know, but it's one it's it's a magical experience. You'll enjoy it. Okay. Good. Uh I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you, you know, a little lesson that we learned when we went to Valley. Now Charles said Valley is great and all that. It wasn't so great to me. When we went to Valley, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so oh, we yeah. went to, during basketball season to the game, and I say that because in remembrance of Coach uh, Scribbling, the passed away, Lafayette, the great Lafayette Scribbling, former coach of Valley men's basketball, the legend, and one of the best dressed I ever seen. Oh but, yeah. Um, we went to to see, and that's when Lindsey was playing, and Ryan, and all those guys, and. They have a gym where it, it gets so hot and the sweat makes the floor sweat and people just slip it. It was like that. We beat Valley because Valley had Al Ford at the time. We beat him. It was an overtime game. We go out to our car. And this is in the winter. It's cold. Go out to our car. They done slash the tire. So what I learned is when you're traveling away to a game, particularly in Scotlandville, Remove all your Jackson State stuff from your car when you park. Just remove it to be safe. Put it in your car, and then when you leave, you put it back in. But you, I'm just telling you, uh, Southern is not, Valley is a friendly robbery. Southern is not. So just make sure you're equipped and you know the do's and don'ts as you travel down to Scotlandville. That's crazy. Then they slash your tires? Yes, they did, and we and and let me tell you, it's hard to find somebody to fix a car, a car tire, and it'll be in Mississippi at ten o'clock at night. At ten o'clock at night, yeah. Why did y'all get back? <laughs> so I'm just saying, <laughs> but I love my college experience, the stories we have, and then the last game is Jackson State uh, and Valley. Jackson State pulled that off, twenty-eight to nineteen. We both had that one pinned. So as we move to this week, so Charles, I got you last week, man. Yeah, you did. No doubt. Grambling let me down, though. Grambling let us down in a lot of ways. McGunn said, don't pick us this weekend. Yes, <laughs> we need family to lose. We do need family to lose. We do. We really do. All right, so the first up, Charles, this week, we're going to go with Alcorn State. Versus Prairie View A and M. That's the Alabama. Oh wait a minute, that's the wrong week. Hold on. <laughs> I think I think that's I just, right. I want to get State. to that game. I just want to get to that game, but they're playing right. uh, Bethune Cookman. Who's playing Bethune? Alcorn. Poor Thune. Really? They not gonna this one is game, Alabama State. Alabama State uh, versus Prairie View A and M. It's Prairie View's homecoming. Oh well, there you go. Fifty piece with fries. <laughs> I am gonna go with. I just think that Prairie View might look over Alabama State, and you gotta remember Alabama State is coming off getting their coach fired. Dr. Hill Illy was relieved of his duties what? after the loss of that Magic City Classic. 
You lose four rivalry games in a row, you ain't gonna have no job. I'm just telling no. you. Yeah. Yeah. And you fight them like that. In the middle of the season. Look here, bro. Don't you even get on the bus to go back to Montgomery. You know. Yeah. Yeah, when the clock sounded, that was his that was his curtain call. And I think he knew that though. He knew it. He knew uh, it. I think he knew that was coming. Yeah. So you picking so I just so I'm clear, you picking Alabama State. I am picking here. Alabama State in the upset against oh, Prairie View. Win this home Prairie View's homecoming. <laughs> I think they're gonna make it a home going. Uh no. No. <laughs> Prairie View is uh Prairie View is much too talented to let that happen. They get to play at home, they get to play at the crib and it's homecoming, and they're mad because the school is not letting them tailgate. Uh yeah. Dang, they not Alabama oh, State God. is gonna have to pay for that. Yeah. Okay. So all right, you got this down, Kennedy. He had I'm going with Alabama State. See, he's taking a conservative play. I'm gonna take the gamble. Okay. Alabama State made me okay. proud. I got faith in the coach that uh, is the acting interim coach, Travis Peterson at Alabama State. The guy can coach. Either this game is going to be an upset or they're going to get blown out. I'm going to cheer you. for the upset, but it will I'm not be close They're going to get monkey stone. Okay. All right. Next up, we have Gremlin versus UAPB, and I know nobody cares, but. Yeah, that right there. I'm even. Yeah, let's make this one quick. Uh, who you got? Grambling. <laughs> Grambling. Grambling. Anybody but UAPB. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Fam U versus Southern. Ooh. I hate to pick this one. <sighs> but I have what I have been telling you all along. <laughs> you go to Scotlandville, you better be ready. Fam has you going, you going with Southern? I'm going with Southern. I am going with FAMU. All right. They got they just got a lot to play for. FAMU is arrogant enough to believe that they're supposed to go in Scotlandville and take the halftime show and the game. I don't know if they can pull it off, but I'm just gonna go with my gun and say I want FAMU to lose. So I'll take the loss if they take one with me. So I'm gonna go with FAMU. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I don't really root for Southern like that. I don't like either one of those teams. But right. <laughs> Southern is on a bit of a resurgence. Their coach was on his way out. Yeah, I know he had packed his little mini suitcase with a picture. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he beat all coins, so they probably yeah. told him he could unpack it for one week. <laughs> I, heard, I heard he'd already shipped his – he'd already made plans to ship his furniture. <laughs> right, right, right. All right. corn versus Bethune. And Bethune, in Daytona, it's an early start, 11 a.m. start. Ooh, yeah, that's an early game. Yeah, they wanted to go ahead and get that out before the TVs came on. Poor Bethune, man. Po Bethune is winless. And they will remain winless. All bounce back after the upset by Southern. I think McNair is too, too good of a coach to not get him back and get him in the right mind space. Uh, Bethune is winless going into this game. They'll remain winless after this game. Uh, I got to go with Alcorn. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Alcorn. I hate it for Thune, though, you know. You don't want to play Alcorn after they got embarrassed. So. Right. Be 
Bethune might go winless for the year because then they. But I'm gonna tell you who don't want Bethune to 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 lose. That's FAMU because you don't want to go play Bethune and Daytona FAMU and they haven't won a game. That's not what you want. I know <laughs> that might be one, what you get. That's their warm <laughs> arrival. They'll be zero and ten by the time they get there. Yeah, they'll be ready for them. Mr. Valley and Alabama AM, that game is in Huntsville. Mm. Okay. Can Valley travel? Is the yes. Question. I got Valley with the W. Although AM is, is a high profile offense, I think Valley defense is legit. And all those people that, that were saying that Alabama AM had the best running back in the swag. That is not true. I have seen the visual <laughs> evidence, and I'm telling y'all now, the best running back in the swag resides in Itabena. That boy from Itabena is built different. I agree. Number three. He's built different. He is built <laughs> different. He is, he is a – he has a chance to play on Sunday. Yes. He he he, he reminds me of a Popewood truck. Bro. If you ever grew up in the country, you know about that Popewood because that they, you hit that joker, he just laugh at you and keep going. As 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 great as our defense is, as as many players as we have on defense, he made us look average Saturday. Yes, he did. He ran for 120, 119 yards. Oh, it yeah. was not for lack. The thing about that is he made us look average because it wasn't because we weren't wrapping up. It wasn't because we weren't hitting him. He just yeah. wasn't feeling it. He just right. was not feeling He refused to feel it. He, he was like a superhero. Yeah. He was and like Luke Cage. You ever seen Luke Cage, Kennedy? Yep. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. He was like he was like a little mini version of Luke Cage. Like they were hitting him hard. And he would just look like, okay, so, all right. So who you picking, man? I'm picking Valley. I'm going with AM. Valley can't score enough points to keep up with AM. Okay. AM would take it um because of that fact and that fact alone. Valley just can't score enough points on our fact. I will say this. I picked Valley for this reason. Valley had the right game plan to play against Jackson State. If they use that same game plan against AM, yeah, it may cause some problems. They, they played a ball control, old New York Giants of the 80s type uh, game. They did. AM is, but AM is a better rushing team than we are. And uh, Valley just, again, Valley can't score enough points. <laughs> it's just, they're going to. That quarterback is going to make mistakes if he has to ask to score a lot of points. I don't know if that quarterback is going to get as much lease as he got against Jackson. He got exposed against us. Yeah. He did. Yeah, four interception game. They got to start looking to see who else is over there. Yeah. Yeah. And then last but not least, Texas Southern comes to Jackson. You know what I always say? I'll never go against D. I'm always and forever D. <laughs> so. Easy pick for me. It's an easy dub, I feel like. It's going to be an easy win. I wouldn't Caution. say that. Caution. Here's what <laughs> I'm going to tell you. Here's what, I'm going, here's what I'm going to tell you. Texas Southern has scored in a variety of ways against all different types of opponents. They don't really care who is on the other side of the ball. Their offense is prolific. Mm. Now, I think our defense is better than every defense that they've played against, so that's going to cause problems. But we cannot go into this game overconfident because they are not valid. They will put they will put points on you in a hurry. Mm, okay. And the future of the SWAC is going to be profiled in this game because their quarterback is a freshman. Body is a he's a freshman. 
Sanders is a freshman. Both of them know how to they they both have that arm that can have them playing on Sundays. There it is. Well, there's our picks. All right. And there you have it. We're a little bit long today, but we had a lot to cover. So, Charles, I say we give it to the young gunslinger over there to take us out. What you say? Let's see if close us out because she has this uh, poster that's floating around. It looks like uh, Anderson Park and uh, Bruno Mars for Silk Sunny. Uh, so I want her to talk. I want her to close it out on that note. Let me see if I can. So it's basically, I'm about to find, let me find it on here too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing a professional development um, workshop with my friend, Madison Cathy, um, here at Jackson State. And it's just going to be a really great event. Um, Hopefully everyone can attend. Let me see if I can pull it up. I'm trying to save it to my files work here. Did I save it at all? I don't know how to do that on the MacBook yet. I'm still a little technology challenged in ways. I just got a MacBook. so. But um, I'll definitely send it to Dr. Uh, Irvin and Mr. Pierce to post it on their Facebook. But if you guys are available to attend, please join. Um, we kind of mocked it like them. It's a really good event. We're just trying to um, help people just really know about professional development. A lot of people don't, even my age juniors, don't have a resume, um, don't have a personal statement don't really know the do's and don'ts of what to put on your uh, resume and what not, um, what to wear <laughs> for an interview and what not to wear. So it's really important. You know, I always say you're your own brand. So it's going to be. Yeah, I have the guidance class no more, college success. So, okay. So university success for business majors, we've, I don't know about y'all, but it's like university success. But for business majors, um, they always had their own separate one because they had, it was geared towards business. Right. But, um, you can take your own professionally development type of classes. So it's up to you if you choose them. I choose, I chose one. Oh, thank you, Mr. Bird. And thank you, Mr. Bird. I appreciate it. But um <laughs> have a good weekend, brother Bird. Yes. Good weekend. But no, they don't really have them as much. And I feel like a lot of times people also don't take advantage of the opportunities that's presented to them, like the tiger closet and stuff like that. So what Kennedy is telling you, Leslie, is that she's a rock star and she's trying to spread the word to all of her classmates and colleagues that they got to step their game up. They need to be in rock star status, too. Makes sense. What's the date? What's the date? Because I want to come talk to you. I want to tell you all the story about the purple suit. Oh, oh, yeah. Purple suit. It is Thursday, November 11th at 5.30 p.m. in the College of Liberal Arts Building in room 146. I'll put that in the comments too. So people you must look, y'all have a Zoom you know story of the day. You must hear about the you know what? We don't have a Zoom, but I'm gonna talk to uh Madison and see if we could actually make one just for people who can't make it. I just feel like I don't want to say it too soon, but sometimes when you give people the virtual option, then they just be like, Well, I'll just watch it from my room. It's like, no, we need y'all to be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, just put it, just remind me so I can put it on my calendar. I think that's a I think you're doing good things. Thank you. Whatever goal, whatever end goal you have in mind, wink, wink, you're well on your way. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. And also, um, I'm also doing a been doing a project give back to Jackson. Me and my um, SGA president, her name is Naomi Harris. You know Kennedy Harrison. You know, but um, we're doing a project give back to Jackson. We did one. Um, we had three separate dates. Um, it was the Sunday after homecoming, but you know, all that happened. So we just combined the two. 
The first one we gave out um 50, no, we gave out 100 sack lunches to the homeless. This one we're going to do hygiene bags and blankets. I want to do like, I don't know if y'all seen the tie blankets. I'm a YouTube and figure out how to do it. But if you like cut the ends, you could tie them. It's like two and two. So I want to give out those to the homeless. So that's going to happen on the 9th next week. If you can come and attend, if you're um, a JSU student on here, you can sign up on Tiger Post. We're providing four community service hours. So, and if you want to donate, you can do it as well. All right. All right. So, excellent, yeah. excellent, excellent, excellent. Kennedy is doing good works in the community. We value that. And she is definitely a rock star so everybody support kennedy thanks guys support our rock star and so she can keep the hope alive keep hope alive <laughs> as brother jackson would say all right y'all have a safe weekend y'all